Ah, good morning. Nice to be with you again this morning. I trust you're all well. This morning I want to look at um, the miracle, yeah, Jesus' first miracle, when he turned the water into wine. I'm sure we're all very familiar with Nevertheless, I hope that we'll be able to glean something new and something fresh from it. John chapter 2. On the third day it took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. The wedding took place in Cana on the first week of Jesus' earthly ministry. Jesus and his mother were invited. That John never mentions Mary by name. It's always Jesus' mother or the mother of Jesus. Mind you, John never even mentioned himself by name. Jesus was there. Um, sometimes we don't often think of Jesus having a social life and spent time with, with, with friends. And I'm sure he, like us, would value good friendship. Bearing in mind he had brothers and sisters, he would have had nieces and nephews jumping all over him when they came and visited him at the carpenter's workshop. So here was a wedding. And Jesus was there. I believe he approves and believes marriage is honourable. Many in society do not have the same attitudes towards marriage that Christ or you and I may have. To be married in the sight of God. In the sight of God. And we gather here together in the sight of God. Not holding, but he is where you and I are this morning. And God wants to come into your everyday routine. He'd been invited to the wedding and was made welcome in the village by the villagers of Cana or else he'd never been invited. And yet elsewhere in Judea he was not welcomed. So my question to you this morning is this. Jesus been invited into your life and has he been made welcome in your whole life? Some welcome him. Others don't. And Jesus, if you don't know him, would love to be part of your life. God wants in on your relationships with your spouses, with your friends, your family. He wants to be involved in your everyday life today, tomorrow and the day after. And he's right here in the everyday events of our life. Let me assure you, if you do the inviting, he'll do the turning up, just as he turned up at a wedding. This wedding we know took place on the third day, and many Jewish weddings took place as they believed God would bless them twice, because on the third day of creation, God saw and said that it twice. Jesus' disciples, probably maybe five or six at that stage, were also invited. Let me say, and I make no apologies, they were with Jesus. And you and I must be with him and his work done. If you want to be with Jesus, then you need to come to where 
he is. And bless when we are with him. And we've said before, Jesus didn't bless Thomas on his first visit after his resurrection because Thomas wasn't there. So he missed out on a blessing. And if you want to be a servant that's involved in the things of God, you need to be where Jesus wants you. Jesus was at a wedding. How often we read of disasters at weddings, um, cars not turning up, brides not turning up, there's been punch-ups, everything went well at your own. And here is this wedding and everything seems to be going well. And then a big problem emerges. They ran out of wine. In the Bible, wine is always a picture of joy and happiness. Now I'm not saying it's okay to go out and get drunk. What I'm saying is that you should be happy in the Lord Jesus Christ. You ought to know the joy of, this, of sins forgiven and of serving the Lord. And even when things aren't going well on the outside, you still can happiness on the inside. Here's a problem. They have no wine. Is there no happiness, no peace, no joy, no comfort? But thankfully Jesus is there with a helping hand and to restore that which was gone. It was a huge shame to have not sufficient wine for the duration of this feast, which could have lasted anything from two to maybe ten days, depending on how wealthy you were. And a good host should never run out of food or drink. Some Bible scholars believe this may have been the wedding of one of and Mary's daughters, or another relative, or even a close friend, as there is a strong indication in some family connection by the way Mary seems to take the lead in resolving the problem. Because it does appear an issue for her. Mary knew that there was only one man to fix the problem, and that was Jesus. He may have been 30 years old, but she was still his mum, he, her boy. Throughout the three years of Jesus' earthly ministry, his mother around, as was his brothers and sisters, but we don't read about Joseph. It is likely that Joseph had died by this point between Jesus being uh, 12 and, and, and 30. I also believe as Jesus was the eldest that made him the head of the family, imagine that he'd have to take care of them until he was 30. The importance of family. So cherish who and what God has given you. Mary knew before her son was born the Messiah and she knew the redemption plan that God had for him. And yet they took the problem to Jesus. She turned to Jesus. I mean, who else can you turn to? 
John 2 verse 3, when them was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. The wedding reception was spoiled. Guests had nothing to drink. And if you came from Glasgow, you would probably say, shock-a-rooney. Someone got it. There was human error. There was failure. And Mary made Jesus aware of the need happening. Mary made Jesus aware of the need, knowing full well that he could fix it. She didn't tell him what she told him about the need and Jesus addressed himself to human failure. Have you informed Jesus of your present situation? In all his miracles, teachings and ministry, Jesus' whole life was addressed to the needs, problems, the breakdowns and the failures in men and women wherever he met them. And the gospel has addressed people to broken lives, to sinners. The gospel is addressed to our needs, problems, our sin and their failures. And we do have problems. And when they arise, we should God would intervene and either solve a problem or help us through it. But the main thing is we take it. And if God brings you to any problem, he will also bring you if we never had a need in our life, we would not see our great need to God of miracles. But we are a needy people, and we need Jesus in our lives. So this Jesus not only addressed, but rectified and remedied. They have no wine. And Jesus responds, Dear women, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. You read these words, it might sound abrupt and harsh. However, I'm led to believe in Jewish society at the time, the term woman was a very respectable term and was actually the proper way to address his mother. Bearing in mind to use him from the cross, when he told John to take care of his mother. And Jesus was also reminding Mary, him had not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do what he tells you. You know, these words are actually the key to living a successful life. Surely these words must be the greatest advice you could ever give anyone. In every situation, do whatever Jesus says. If you and I want to peace in our lives, if we experience sweet fellowship with Jesus, we must do what he says. 
If you want to live a life that's pleasing to the, and one that will bring him glory, then we must do what he says. Mary had no doubt that God would do the right thing through Jesus. She doesn't have to worry about it will work out. But she expects God to do the extraordinary. Mary voiced her faith. She expects this problem to be sorted. Do whatever he says. So first of all, the servants are listening. At, that, at this point, the hearers, but they were ready and listening and waiting on Jesus to tell them what to do. They were willing to do whatever Jesus told them. Is that how we strive to live? To do everything that he tells us? I wish I could say that I always do what he tells me to do. He tells me to do it, but sadly, that's not the case. When's the last God spoke to you? What did he say to you? And what have you done with what he told you? Mary says to the servants, do ever he tells you. And Mary knew that Jesus could do whatever was necessary as long as the servants obeyed. Today, Jesus is more than able to do whatever is required in your family, in your personal life. Jesus is more than able to do as necessary to heal relationships, to heal people, to heal your circumstance. But you need to tell him. So have you issued Jesus with authority to deal with your situation? Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. So here we are. Here's another word for us. You and I should be obedient. The servants remember, were listening. They heard Jesus speak. And now they were obedient to the voice of Jesus. Now, the servants may have been confused by Jesus' method of solving the problem. They may have doubted that he could solve the problem. Nevertheless, they obeyed his command, and you know and I know they witnessed a miracle. You and I must realise that Jesus is the only one who problems. We may not understand his timings or his methods 
or his ways of solving them. You and I take it to him. Jesus can still work a miracle in our lives. It is always best to do whatever Jesus says. And you and I need to do exactly what he tells us, even if it makes no sense. Mary said, whatever you do it. She never said to the servants, do what the waiters tell you. Do what the bride or the groom tell you, master of ceremonies, or even the disciples tell you. No. What she said was, do what Jesus tells you. That's where you and I should get our instructions and our guidance. I used to sing a hymn a long, long time ago. I heard the voice of Jesus say, so whatever Jesus, you and I should do. Listen to what Jesus wants. Then, do you remember that verse? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And what will happen? He will direct your path. So Jesus will provide you with guidance and direction as he speaks to you. You know, <laughs> the lost world may think that you and I are crazy when we, that we talk to God and he talks to us. But it's true. When he speaks, we must listen. He speaks to us personally. He has specific tasks for us corporately, but also individually, tasks that we need to accomplish. I mean, God speaks and directs. We must follow. It's interesting. Jesus invited those who were there to cooperate. He said to the servants, fill those with water. Now, Jesus could have acted alone, but he didn't. And Jesus is ever seeking human channels for the doing of his will. He wants us to do something. We are meant to be in it with him. And does that not stagger you, amaze you, that the Lord of glory would ever want doing something in this world for him. We have what's called human cooperation. Jesus does miraculous things through us when we are obedient to him. So without the servants to be better, the miracle would not have occurred. And because the servants were obedient, everyone else benefited. from his work. Jesus has led as his ambassadors and representatives here on earth. He is unmistakably our Lord, which is why we do what he tells us to do. 
human cooperation. God has an effect given us the chance to work with him and what he is doing in the world. He expects and desires for us to be his disciples, as we looked at last week, his witnesses. What an opportunity! Your life matters. It means that we can know God's power and direction. So God is willing to not only work but also through us. And Jesus used what they had. They had six stone water pots. Number six in the Old Testament speaks of imperfection. And we don't have time this morning, but the imperfection of the Jewish ritualism. These stone jars used for ritual purification of water. The water jug would hold between 20 to 30 gallons for cleaning people's feet, purifying. So the total amount of water would be anything between 120 and 180 gallons. That's a load of water. Jesus changed all that. Jesus changed all that into wine. The water wasn't going cleansing, but the wine was for celebrating. Jesus had taken something that was a daily remember of their shortcomings and made them into a source of joy. Jesus changed the water into wine. His grace for us is sufficient. His grace is abundant. And it's all there for us at the asking. These water pots had their purpose on a human level. Now they were to have their purpose on a divine level. Not only did he ask the servants for help, and not only did he use what they had, but they did what Jesus said. They filled the water pots up to the brim. And this points out that nothing else could be added up to also suggests and indicates there is no half measures. Total obedience. I trust that we have kept nothing back from him. I hope there is no refusals in our work for the Lord because God wants us to cooperate, to be used for his divine will and purpose and he wants us to be obedient to our calling. You and I are just ordinary people. But God can take us and God can use us. He has gifted us all. And he can take that, that life and that very thing can become a channel to reveal the glory of Christ. Just if you and I have something that you can serve in a way for his purposes. You and I can serve the purposes as he seeks to reveal his glory. Then he told them, now draw him out and take it to the master of the banquet. You and I need to be with him. He can fill us to the brim. And once you and I are filled, we 
can give out. So what God puts on the inside, we can give, we can pass on what we've learned to somebody else. Give out, not just taking all the time. But giving out. Somebody once said, if we are not a help to someone else, how can we be a help to the Lord? So be a help to somebody. A servants of Christ from the water. He wants you to carry the gospel out into the world. The master of the banquet had no idea what was happening. The master of the banquet tasted the water turned into wine. He did not realise where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. In your life, expect God to work. The master of the banquet tasted the wine and he couldn't believe the quality. Many of Jesus' miracles reduced human suffering. But this one is just about giving joy. And the host of the party is amazed that the being is saved for the last. Can I just assure you that Jesus gives us the very best all the time. And he gives generously. He produces over 120 gallons of wine and it reminds me of a God who will give us more than we can ask or even imagine. Jesus has saved the best till now. Every beginning serves good or a choice and here it's implied that one of our tendencies, part of the human nature, is that we start off in the beginning. How bright and vibrant we were in these early days of our Christian walk and testimony. And then we get wearied, we can decline, and sadly some fall away. That is the natural order of things. And perhaps maybe our shame and disgrace, we must admit that this can creep into the Christian life. And sometimes there has been a tendency to let things slide. And we know that we are not giving our best. And the old nature creeps back in again. And that is what sin has done with man. And what sin has done with man only God can reverse by his grace. And he's ready and willing to do it in our lives by his hope. If we give him full control. So Jesus can turn around this human behaviour. He can reverse this natural disease and it's good to know that the Holy Spirit who does still on earth what Jesus did then is able to reverse or change this spiral. But when the Spirit has full control and comes in all his fullness to possess our lives, he can reverse that and set us free from the sin that can pull us down. 
This is the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee. He thus revealed his glory. He revealed his glory so that he come to Cana to perform his first miracle, but he came to Cana for the purpose of revealing his glory. Jesus himself said of the Holy Spirit, He glorify me. So we are encouraged to expect a continuity of ministry between the life and waste and the life and work of the Holy Spirit in the believer and in and through his church. I would hope not just to be filled by the Spirit, but to be filled with the Spirit. I've said it before, we'll say it again, what the blood of Christ cleanses, the Holy Spirit fills. And forgiveness of sins in the New Testament is linked inevitably with the outpouring and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Mary wanted a miracle. Jesus, duty-bound as a son to honour your father and your mother, gave her a miracle. Literally made water into wine in front of everybody. So not only does he give her this miracle, he gives more than possibly need. And the people just get wine. She gets the best wine. Because no was too good for his mother. Mary got more than she could imagine because she asked in faith. And because of what Jesus did, the Bible goes on to say, and his disciples put their faith in him. They placed their faith in him, they followed him, they pledged their lives, their careers, their future to him. Over the next three years, their faith became stronger and stronger. They began to realise that not only was nothing impossible for Jesus, but nothing was impossible for them through the power of us. And that's what God calls us to do today, to put our faith in him. Our invitation is him and to follow Jesus, to give our commitment to the one who died for us and help us to share that faith with those around us so that others may be strengthened in their faith as well. At the first week of his earthly ministry, Jesus turned water into wine. At the last week of Jesus' earthly ministry, we see him telling the disciples that the Passover that they were drinking represented his blood that he would be spilling for us. And when we find ourselves in situations cannot solve, we need to remember that we serve a God of miracles. If God can create this world by speaking it into existence, and he can save people like you and I. There is nothing for God. And Jesus creates the good wine, the best, which speaks of redemption that's given the grace. When we gather at the communion table, we drink the wine that is symbolic of his shed blood, which is redemption. For by grace, we are saved. Jesus addressed himself in Cana to human failure. 
and the Holy Spirit addresses here today to our human failures. So is there failure in your personal life? Is there failure in your devotional life? What about prayerlessness? Is it failure in your family life? Whether jealousy or envy or hatred or whatever. Is it failure in your church life? Is there coldness in your heart? Is there unlove? Is there resentment? Is there, and is there breakdown? If there is, then Jesus wants to deal with it. To be invited so that he can help. And I don't think there can be joy and fullness of the Spirit until every failure, breakdown, have been fully forgiven and dealt with at the cross. Jesus is able to transform something from condition to another. From water into wine, what a transformation. But it is our lives that Jesus wants to transform and to transform them into his likeness. Transforming sinners to saints. So go and be filled with the Spirit. Just like the jars of dirty water, God can change us into something pure and beautiful, his glory. And when Jesus changes things and people, he does it the best. Christians, the best is yet to come. This story opens with the words on the third and you and I are here today. All is possible for us because of what Jesus did on the cross and what God did through him on the That breathtaking resurrection morning. It's telling us that Jesus chose a wedding for his first miracle. For those of us who know Christ as Saviour, we look forward in anticipation to a greater wedding when we will be with him at the marriage feast of the Lamb. The best is yet to come. That will be some celebration. So really accept your salvation. Rejoice in it. Relish in it. Be amazed by it. Jesus transformed you. For the non-believer, today is the best it can never be. The worst is still to come. For us as believers, today is the worst it can be. For us, the best is yet to come. Praise his name. And now the God of hope fill you with joy and peace and believing that you may be bound in hope to the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to be the people we should be and ought to be. You've taken us and changed us and moulded us into your people. Thank you for your word to us. May we go from here knowing that we've met with God. I pray again that folk might see the beauty of Jesus in us. Be with us in this week that lies ahead in Jesus' name. Now may grace, mercy and peace from Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest upon and abide with us now 
and evermore. Amen.